is a it's like one of those things like is that the alien spaceship on top of the microphone yeah. yes, yes <laughs> we do aliens well welcome <laughs> we, do we do aliens <laughs> oh yes if you go far enough back you will see we have done aliens we have done aliens in fact that was the first sticker we made for our podcast was an alien we have definitely started because we started talking about aliens, and that that always means that we are talking. <laughs> we are so, talking. Catherine, would you would you introduce our guest? Our guest, our delightful guest this morning, is Andrew Richwine, who I met while I was pulling weeds in front of my house, and he was showing a house across the street, and we had a delightful conversation. And of course, I had to ask him to be on the podcast, and I was I'm so grateful that you said yes, and I think it's just going to be a blast. So welcome to Subbrand. Good thank morning. You, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And here goes to the coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Oh, yeah. To the coffee. I, I made a double dose. Mm-hmm. So Andrew, Andrew is a realtor and also he has some involvement with the light rail and some art related to the light rail. At least that's what I've been informed on. I wasn't yes. weeding my house, so I, I, did, I wasn't part, <laughs> partaking of any of this. Yeah. So I'm actually a realtor here at Keller Williams East Valley. Um, the tribe. I'm one of. I'm part of a, a rather large team over here. We're awesome sauce. One of my main things that I like to do outside of work is help out the community. Mm-hmm. Well, before I transitioned into real estate, I actually have a really heavy, heavy, heavy background in infrastructure work. So I've built. Well, I can't say I've built, but I've helped build pretty much all your major freeways here in the Phoenix area since I was 16. My first one was SR 51. It was at Dreamy Drop Park going all mm-hmm. the way up around the 51 to tie in to Bell. The 101 wasn't even there yet. Um, right. So that was my first one. And throughout the years, of course, I, I was a laborer and then I went to operators and then, you know, started moving up. And I eventually became a realtor because I learned that, you know, there's only so much ground here. So you know, you can't <laughs> do much with it if you're just always tearing it up. So kind of transitioned into real estate, started having mm-hmm. fun. And it was kind of like a blessing to be able to mix both backgrounds and both goals and visions into being able to help my community, community which is South Phoenix, and being able to use my expertise from 20 years worth of doing this work. I was also an instructor for some of this stuff. So I got to teach the operators that are actually building it. It's kind of cool when you go back on a job site and you get to see some of the guys that you actually had in class and they're going, Hey, what are you doing out here? Like came to watch you dude. Like, you know what I mean? What are you doing today? Like, yeah, well, we're digging this or we're putting in that. And it's kind of nice to go back and go visit and, and actually be part of a a more purposeful, bigger thing in life. And then this is a major transit connector. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see many train projects come in and out of town. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're pretty much connecting everything that they're connecting now. And then there's going to be, you know, probably some wait until whenever they figure out whatever, whatever area needs it next. You know what I I mean? Well, I think as far as trains go, I think that Phoenix is right for more some more train actual train development since we we do have a, a deep not a depot but a, a station downtown that's been closed for how many years how many decades oh yeah and right now yeah. um Valley Metro has 96 trains mm-hmm. 96 total so the weekend of the Super Bowl they were all running mm, yeah, I like I, oh, I was wow. talking I, I'm a data nerd and stuff like that when it comes to this stuff so I was asking one of the ladies in uh, one of our light rail meetings I was like so for Super Bowl, where were you guys 
plan. This was this was during the planning stages for Valley Metro, like to mm-hmm. clear because they were talking about okay, we're expecting like over a million people downtown because that's where the NFL experience is, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you get that amount of people out of downtown in a safe manner and in a timely manner? Mm-hmm. So they were like, huh. You're going to love this one, dude. I was like, what? She goes, we're hooking three trains up. I said, what do you mean three trains up? She goes, well, you know how we have the the single trains that run in between of the doubles, right? So that they have. Yeah. So let's let's, hold on a second there. The, the, the light rail usually, what does it usually run? Two trains at a time or two cars? Two cars at a time. Two cars at a time. So that's the normal one. Do they, they do one as well? Yes, they do. I didn't know that. Well, they do one as well when it's heavier hours for oh. for for people that are riding. Kind of like a, the buses have a regular bus and then they have the express. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's the same uh, theory there. So, um, but most of the times, yeah, they do have the double trains. This time, they decided to hook two trains up together in order to give them that longer span. I said, "Well, how many how many people can you guys actually like move?" And right. she's like, "We could take fifteen hundred people on." every three minutes and we're going to be running them at seven minute nine minute intervals just depending on the amount of people at the location wow i think those are really important numbers for people to see because uh, it really exposes the power of the light rail oh yeah it's this thing can move and it's on green energy it's (laughs) it's it's actually it's a good thing it's what the buses aren't (laughs) it's basically exactly It's a it's another major transportation form of transportation to get you to major spots where there's populate. You know what I mean? Where everybody's mm-hmm. going. I mean, look at Cityscape. Oh yeah, Six- you, mm-hmm. you don't have to sell me. I grew up in New York, outside of New York City, so I I grew up with mass transit with trains, both you know the subways and the Amtrak trains for mm-hmm. commuters to get mm-hmm. into the city. And I don't, I've never understood the reluctance to cities to build these infrastructures. There's always like, well, it's going to run, drive down property value and all this other stuff. No, it does the exact opposite. You know, people flock to the, the transit stops and your values go up. They had, they had actually ran on their, their app. They had a Valley Metro app just specifically for the Super Bowl. They were doing one passes. Like, cause you know, if you go to the, the terminals or whatever, and you, you have to put in your card, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then you get your tickets, right? Well, mm-hmm. what happens if there was no tickets left because the ticket roll decided, you know, it was out for the day or whatever. Right. Oh, right. So they were actually doing this app. It was called one pass. It was, it was the Valley Metro one pass app. So what you could do is go on your phone, get a ticket one way or for one day, it would automatically connect to your phone, hit the button, boom, it downloads the tickets. You were good for the whole day. Especially, it, it was awesome for people that were from out of town because if you're staying in one of the, the local hotels or you're staying all the way in Tempe, but you wanted to come to the NFL experience or you were over there at the stadium or by Metro, you know, all the, the major hubs around the area that, you know, people tended to flock to during the Super Bowl, you could use the train to get downtown and back in the same day and all do it from your phone and not have to worry about going where is this at where is that at where is well, this you, at? you don't you don't have to worry about running a car or where you're going to park or having to try to get around a, a weird city i think that's a really interesting perspective though having you know having built the highways and having a you know a really good sense of how phoenix is laid out it seems like it gives you a, a big advantage to, uh, for a realtor you know i came here in uh, 2000 was it 2011 as a transplant uh, coming from uh, the northeast 
and I didn't really know that much about the city. Thankfully, my brother-in-law was was, was been uh, lives out here, and he he knew the city pretty well, and our realtor knew the city really well. But that just seems like another level of just knowing in your bones, because you actually laid the, the the roads work. And and I'm a cyclist, and I I, I bicycle over Phoenix, and it doesn't look like it from the surface. But Phoenix is actually pretty easy to get around on on a bicycle too, as long as you know where you're going and how to get there. There are some spots that might be hard to get to, especially actually, it's South Phoenix is the place that's really the hardest place to get to from like downtown. And it's funny too because if you look at the plans itself, it says pedestrian trails, mm-hmm. so they're hooking everything together too, just so that you can be active within the city without having, you know, because not every neighborhood has mountain trails. Let's just be honest, you know what I mean? Most right. don't. Yeah, most and really don't. I, I totally understand what you're saying too about having to go from downtown to, to South Phoenix. Of course, you're dealing with all the downtown traffic you're dealing with. You know, 7th Avenue and, and 7th Street only can withstand so much because right now Central's, what, one way. Oh my way. gosh. So, and it's been that uh, way forever. I mean, it's been years since Central has been under construction. It was actually cool because they had to raise the I-17 bridge three and a mm-hmm. half feet just to, just to fit the train under. Mm-hmm. so the oh. this whole thing is getting like widened out it, it's going to be a, a great thing to see uh when it's finished just in terms of the light rail expansion like are there two different projects going on like one in south phoenix and then one going north so there's actually three of them that okay are, are going right now um so we have downtown to university because of course you have the salt river um, mm-hmm. river right there and then you have the South Central Corridor, which basically takes over right there at, at, at Salt River all the way to Baseline. And then yeah. you have the Northwest 3, which is up there by you guys. That's going right. to Metro Center. Well, so her guys, I'm, get... I'm downtown. He's downtown. Oh, you're downtown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like, I get to visit all of them, so it's it's kind of cool. I, I like I like the idea of what their, what their plans are with Metro Center. Think about it. You have this big, huge possible metropolis right (laughs) sitting vacant you know what i mean for a couple of years Mm because i can remember going there and shopping for for christmas time i don't know about you guys but oh yeah uh, i mean there in christown it was it was uh uh montgomery wards at christown (laughs) and then there was i believe it was this no it was the sears and everything at metro and Mm -hmm. and you had all the shops outside like the original best buy was outside of metro if you guys right You know what I mean? And Fry's Electronics wasn't that far away. Poor Fry's. There was just some awesome places. And I can remember there there was an ice skating rink in the bottom of that thing. And then there was. And then it turned into an arcade. And then from the arcade, it turned into the movies. And then all of a sudden there was, you know, you had to go in a whole separate door because there was all of a sudden a floor and now there's a food court. Like, I was like, yeah, the food, yeah, watching it more, if I remember. When Metro Center opened, that's how long I was very young and we had moved here and Metro Center opened. I remember going with my friend Nancy and just staring over at that ice skating rink and thinking, oh, this is so cool. And I could never ice skate. I'm just horrible with anything under my feet other than soles of flat shoes. And, you know, we I did try to ice skate many times there and fell on my butt. And then to watch it more, if you're right, it just did that whole thing with the arcade. And I was really sad when they took out the ice rink. Because it was fun to stand up there and watch people skate and the cold air would come up, particularly in the summer, you know. And um, and the last time I went in that mall, it was just heartbreaking. There was literally, it just smelled like mold. Um, I went to get some mannequin hands. Um, I know, James, 
I have this fetish for mannequins. Yeah, well, I, Andrew, I did you see the Andrew's look on his face? He's like, what is she talking about? I know. No, but they were, but you know, there was, they were selling out everything and the mall was closed and like to go up to, up the stairs to the second level, they were blocked off and some of the stairs were all cracked and it was just awful. And it just smelled like mold. You can see mold like encroaching on the ceiling. And I went into the store and I'm like, I just, I got to get out of here. It was so freaking. I just, I got in my car and I, I actually cried because it was such a, it's like, oh, how the mighty have fallen. It was such a beautiful place. And then to have it just disintegrate. So I'm looking forward to the resurrection so of that, is, that that space. It is a phoenix. It will, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it went all the way down and now it will be resurrected from the ashes, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I was looking online. They said it's going to be the first two-story, a train station or something. Yes. An elevated station or something. You you guys have both been to the airport and seen the Sky Train, right? You, right. That's the one that starts off over there at what is it, Twenty Fourth Street, kind of whirls mm-hmm. its way in through the parking lots and everything else, and then it goes mm-hmm. to the terminals and then mm-hmm. back out the other side to Forty Eighth Street. So basically, it's going to be something like that. Oh wow! This way, commuters and all can get all the way to downtown, can get to ASU if they really have to. They can get all the way to Mesa um, mm-hmm. on, on the train. And then that would be the last uh, stop heading to the Northwest for right now. Yeah, I don't think people really understand how many different ways there are to get around Phoenix. Obviously, it looks like a car city to begin with, and it is fundamentally. Mm-hmm. But the light rail and the other the other systems we have and cycling around, it's amazing how far you can get. I can ride, I can ride from my house in downtown very easily down to, to Tempe Town Lake and ride across the river is ASU essentially. And there's a whole, there's a, there's a uh, train depot right there as well, where the train and the light rail come together and there's a bike shop there too. So, you can, <laughs> And in fact, that bike shop, I can't remember the name of it now off the top of my head, but that bike shop that's at, at, down in Tempe is set up for commuters. So you can ride your bike there. You can store it there. You can take a shower and then you can walk to your job. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's kind of a cool service to have. That, that that's, is. That's, some, that's some thinking outside of the box right there. And it's right at the depot. I think there's another one up uh, in, on Central by the library, by Central Library, but I, I don't know that one as well. Wow. By Hans Park. Huh? Yeah, by Hans Park, right. So as a realtor, I'm int- I've am i got a couple questions for you, Andrew, that I'm curious all right, about. All right, all right. I knew First we were going to get into this sooner or later. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> so I'm in the Coronado area. So, you know, there's... I, oh. You're in it's, one of my favorite districts. Okay, all go. right. I, I consider this downtown-ish. Everybody's when I say I'm in Coronado, everybody says, "Oh, you're downtown." Doesn't really feel like downtown for, to me because I'm from New York, so it feels a lot more residential than that. But anyway, I've seen a lot of flips, people coming and flipping the houses here in Coronado, and I go in and I look at the houses, and it's really just generally very badly done. There one time I went in and I could they had put down vinyl flooring on top of the old wood flooring without having done it. I could feel under my feet that there were voids underneath the linoleum. Oh my God. So that was pretty bad. But I was wondering what the worst thing you've seen when you've seen a flipped house or, or a renovation. Well, it's funny that you're talking about okay. this because when Catherine was on the phone with us the other day, my partner, actually, um, she has like over 30 years in the real estate business. And we've been, 
we we do stuff with our team that's a little bit outside of the box stuff like that so um a couple weeks ago we were actually on a on a field trip basically we call it a tribe takeover we go and we visit like a (laughs) bunch of homes from different eras kind of get a different feel because of course here in the phoenix area you have some really old houses Mm -hmm. especially in the downtown one of my favorite districts is actually alvarado and that's just north of you and i love it and it's just like it's just what is it four or five blocks and then you get into Ashland, and I mm-hmm. like Ashland too. Ashland actually has some really, really old houses. You're talking like 1920s, 1929, um, stuff like that. We were out and about uh, here in the Tempe area two weeks ago. And we actually seen what was considered a flip that was, yeah, no. <laughs> it was not. Everything that it said it was, it was not. And it was to the point where everything was unmatching. Um, when I say everything was unmatching, like brand new stove, but they left the range hood from 1964. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when the that's not the half of it. We looked underneath the range hood because we were like, hold on here. Why would you put this beautiful brand new stainless steel six burner stove with the griddle, all of this, you know, here and you're just going to leave the range hood, right? Like why not get one of the stainless steel range hood stuff like that? And we looked underneath the bottom of it and it had probably about a half inch inch worth of life growing underneath the bottom. Of oh, it. hell no. So that was like, that was one. <laughs> um, the same house actually said that it had an Airbnb opportunity in the backyard, went in the back. You you remember this, Catherine? Yeah, we, I do. We, I do. We went in the backyard and we were trying to figure this out. I was like, where is this Airbnb opportunity at? Like there was even like you could charge this much a night for this place. You know what I mean? And we're looking at it and we're like, it's a freaking steel shed and a tough shed. Like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying about some of the flips. And it all depends on who's doing it. Yeah, it's just it, it, the majority of the ones I've seen have been very poor. And my poor neighbor, I have a neighbor across the street. The guy was doing the flip for about a year. And it was, she, she's been trying to fix a house for the fa- past five years. He literally, the guy who was flipping it, put another bathroom in and uh-huh. he put the, the new pipe work in, in the dirt, just in the dirt. So it completely failed. And she was living uh, in a trailer behind her house for, I think, three or four months because she had basically no plumbing while they were trying to repair all the, the damage that the flipper had done. Oh my God. They had to completely dig up all of her plumbing and read, well, I don't want to get into Oh my that. God. We we do hear we hear stuff like that from time to time too. And if you guys go see one of these these brand new beautiful remodels, mm-hmm. you can tell the guys that have the skills and the guys that don't. Yeah, Just- but you need an eye for it. It's really easy for someone who doesn't know what to look for to get in mm-hmm. there and be be dazzled by the the brand new stove and not realize that the hood is disgusting and uh, you know like a biological hazard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or so I, you have your bathroom renovated and it looks fantastic, <laughs> and then the grout falls out, and you see that everything is um, has lippage, and the p- tiles look so undulating that it makes you dizzy. I don't know. Never mind that. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. I've never really heard of getting your bathroom redone and then the grout falling out from in between the tiles. That's that's kind of an interesting situation right there. It's a special yeah. kind of grout. That's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, special. a special kind of irritation. But enough about me. <laughs> so, 
So moving from worst flip, uh, let's go to the worst client. I would like his name and number and address. But anyway, <laughs> no, is there is there like a story you have about your worst client? No, actually, there's not. I've been fortunate enough not to have one of those knock on wood. I, I try and help out as much as I can and educate as much as I can. Um, this way, stuff like that doesn't happen. I mean, honestly, you, you have to set that expectation of what this is going to look like or you're going to end up with a client that's dissatisfied and then that's usually where you come across a lot of that stuff you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah so it's, it sounds educate. like you 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 educate them and you work with them to the point where there are no hidden surprises the, and exactly. you've been lucky that you haven't had any real let's call them people to deal with <laughs> you know, well there are the people out there that are difficult to deal with here at kweb we're one of the number one training keller williams here in the state of arizona and so you know, we kind of have it down when it comes to that stuff and how to set expectations, how to go over if you're if your client's going to purchase or if they're going to list what that looks like. Make sure to get in a few times with them. Have some conversations because, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes expectations or timelines or what they're thinking can change during the week. You know sure. what I mean? Something new happened. Something came up in life. You know, life happens. Mm -hmm. You just have, have to be real with people and set the expectation. Let them know what's going on in the market. Let them know what's available. available. Right. And make sure that you put it, all your cards out on the table at the same time because in reality, you're representing them through one of the biggest transactions that they're doing in their life. And that's the most important part is helping them out at that time of need. Andrew, or, it's, it sounds like the reason you don't get bad clients is because you work, you know how to work with people. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what I'm sensing. It's like, yeah, you it sound like really a, a person who is well suited for this, this task. I, I'm a little bit too mm -hmm. confrontational. So, you know, things probably wouldn't go as well for me. I make bad clients. <laughs> you make. I like getting into discussions and strategizing and, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this happen? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's one of those things where, not every client is ready when they're, when they think they're ready either. You know exactly. I mean? Like there might be something in the background that that's holding them back. There might be a credit issue. There might be, well, we need to save up a few more months, but that, that person right there is still needing your help to get to the, the end goal. So a lot of yeah. people mm -hmm. seem to think that they want the deal needs to be here and now. No, you, this is a relationship business. It's about, being yourself and being genuine within the community, showing mm -hmm. your value to people, educating them because everybody can read everything that's in the big media and what's in the newspaper, but that mm -hmm. might not be true in your local markets. Right. You know what I mean? Education is the key, uh, key points. And it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's great to be over here at Keller because you learn it all. I mean, you can walk into any of these offices and go, Hey, I have a question about this. Well, that's okay. the key, is that you have a holistic view of the entire landscape, not just the buildings, but the, the financing and, and, and the markets mm -hmm. and things like that. And that's that, again, is, I think, what helps to make sure you don't wind up with a bad client. Right. <laughs> right. You don't create, I'm sorry, you don't create a bad client. You don't create it. Yeah, don't create the bad opportunity, yeah. right? Right, right. I do have a question about like preparing for listing. Like, how do you help people prepare for the listings? Are there things like, particularly in the Phoenix market, that homeowners should update or change or remove from their properties in order to prep it for the best experience? 
Well, that all depends on your property itself, okay. on your home. One of the main things is, is let's go do a walk of your property, right? Let, mm-hmm. let's, let's take a walk around it. Let's look at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the biggest things that we run across with people that are listing homes mm-hmm. is they're attached to the home. Right. It's been their home. Mm-hmm. You know, they've lived there. They've raised kids there. They've done, you know, family get togethers. They have memories built into these to to the properties. You know what I mean? And one of the first things when we go to list a home is we actually have a checklist. And it starts going from A to Z, what needs to be done. If there's vendors that are needed, please give us a call. We can help mm-hmm. you out. If you're not able to get to the weeds in the front yard before pitcher day, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that's one. If your house needs a little bit of, of touch up paint, do we need to help you out with a cleaning lady before pitchers or after, or it all depends on the needs of the property owner I see. Okay. and the needs of the house itself, because we always want to get it up to market value. This way, our clients get the most that they've put into the home. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's equity built into them now. Right. So get you the most that we can for the house. What I'm hearing here is that your basic advice to people who want to put their house on the market is is invite Andrew over to do a walkthrough and tell you all the problems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not problems, but opportunities. 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 It's important to have, you know, someone with with a professional perspective come through Mm -hmm who has all the knowledge so that they can see things that, that we don't see. And you're, you're that guy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. There's no <laughs> such thing as the perfect house, right? And there's always going to be issues, no matter mm-hmm. what. That's the joys of being a homeowner. But is there mm-hmm. is there protections <laughs> that you can get, like better you know home warranties that cover stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is there stuff like, you know, if you fix it up before you go to list it, will it get you more money? Possibly, yes. You know, it, it just depends on the situation and what you're looking at. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, just a quick aside note. My parents uh, had a place up in uh, the outskirts of New York. It's actually the suburbs of New York. And they had it was, it was a brownstone, so it was a three floors. And they had an elevator. It was, it was pretty common there to have that. And it broke repeatedly. Oh, wow. And it was an old elevator. You know, it had been. I think it was installed in the 80s. And they couldn't really find replacement parts for it. So the decision was, or the option was, Either repair it, which was basically going to replace the whole unit, or just take $50,000 off the top price of the house. And they, they took the ladder and uh, they sold it. You know, you have you have to get an expert in there to evaluate that, those kinds of things. Uh, I'm curious, though, you're talking about photography. Do you have professional photographers come in and shoot up, or do you are you good enough with a camera to, to, to shoot the pictures? Oh, no, I'm not one of those realtors that will take the pictures on my eye from my iPhone and post them to the MLS. That, <laughs> that's not that's not us. We we, we do use professional photography, mm-hmm. drone, okay. footage, all of that stuff, because if you're just if you're a realtor and you're out, out there and you're just taking the pictures off your iPhone and then posting them, really, that's not really doing your client a very good service at that no, point. It's you really know what not. I mean? I, I don't need to see the light switch on the wall and low <laughs> filters or anything like that. Like we, we want to make sure that it's professional pictures. Your home's marketed the correct way. Like, you know, right. I'm also a photographer. So I, I see that it drives me crazy when I see really bad photo- photography of uh, listings. It's, it's, you know, they'll, they'll take a picture of the room and you'll see one wall, another wall and the floor. It's just, it's a corner. Basically you might as well be taking a picture of the inside of a box. Mm-hmm. It shows you nothing of the phone <laughs> whatsoever. But I will say that if you're a trained photographer, you know what to look for. So you, a trained photographer could actually use an iPhone and get pretty good shots. It's just, it's the eye. It's the professional eye to, to, to know what you're looking for. 
I know a, a lot on when, when we order pitchers, we actually order two sets. One we order for a daytime, you know. Oh, yeah. Go, mm-hmm. go get the angles, you know, so you're not getting any shadows, any of that stuff. And then we always ask, uh, um, hey, can you go back at dusk? Mm, can you get yeah. us one of the sunset pitchers? Can you get us one of the kind of evening pitchers or later in the afternoon pitchers? Because honestly, if you look at it, the best pictures of your home is what really drags people to say, oh, you know what? I want to go take a look at that. Mm-hmm. If you have mm-hmm. the worst pictures up on the internet, it's sitting. <laughs> if you got somebody yeah. that has a good eye, can, you know, makes it look good, can can get the angles, does not like show that he's there and all the pictures and everything else, you know. <laughs> Where I, there's a thumb covering yeah, the lens. I, oh, yeah. And we see it all the time. It's like, if you got, if you can do that, like, okay, we we can work here because now we have clear pictures. Now we have stuff that when it is out there on the internet, it does look really good. It does attract the attention Mm -hmm. in nine times out of 10. It helps sell your home faster. Yeah. The the night shots are really dramatic. It can really help make the house look a lot like it's from a movie or something. And that requires, again, it requires the professional eye to know how to light it properly. Because if you go take a picture of your house at night, you may just get a black blob. But if you light it properly or if you use the correct uh, exposure settings, you'll see everything and it'll look beautiful. And and working with, um, especially with some of our clients that have different uh, availabilities, like they they had to leave because they're relocating for a new job or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it, with the houses, it's better to have one of our, our professionals come in also with us and like, can we get a, a staging quote for this? Mm-hmm. Because we want the color schemes to match. We want, you know, a little bit of couches because people do visualize like, how does that house going to fit with what I have here mm-hmm. at, at this house? Are we getting rid of this stuff and just getting all brand new? Is the colors going to match? Is the floor plan, you know, is it good for us? Is it open? How much renovation are we going to have to do? Because, you know, some people buy the home because it's in the area. Because, of course, you all you guys always hear location, mm-hmm. location, location. Right. Next thing you know, they find a good deal in an area and okay, can we take this wall out because we know it's not load bearing and blow out the kitchen and (laughs) open this whole space up and maybe put in like a kitchen island or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's tons of ideas that go back and forth during this. And it's just awesome to see end products where you're going, dude, that's cool. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. But that station can be so important. Going back to that, that picture I described, we used to see two walls and a floor. It tells you nothing Mm -hmm. about the scale of the room. If you put a chair or a couch or a bed in there, suddenly you know the scale of the room. Exactly. You can get a pretty good visual of what it is. I mean, some of the some of the technology now, you know, they have the the virtual stagers out. That's like that's like oh, one, yeah. of these, oh, right. no. one of these new tech themes. And it's like, OK, it just shows different pieces in place, but it doesn't look correct. Mm-hmm. If you get somebody who's actually a staging company that goes in there now, all of a sudden there's live furniture in the pictures. It looks a lot better because, you know, you're matching. You have somebody that did design it. Um, even if it is just a, a few uh, pieces throughout the house, you know what I mean? And then you avoid the pictures of the guy in the mirror when they're taking the bathroom pictures. I just love those. Like, do you ever see those? You just see the guy in the mirror. Holding the phone, taking Holding a picture of, of, of the bathroom. And and, yeah. It's like, I love it. So, so two weekends ago, we did a tribe takeover on a Saturday over down at one of, uh, one of the local builders, brand new subdivisions. 
And I was the guy that was running the iPhone on the gimbal and everything running mm-hmm. through the house this way we could get the different floor plans. Cause of course it would, they were the floor plans that they were offering at this subdivision were totally different than what they were offering at the other ones. Like the other ones, they were only offering like 35 and 40 foot across. These mm-hmm. ones had the bigger models, 45, 50 across, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we were seeing the bigger floor plans, like the five bedroom, three bath, single story, stuff like that. And I'm running around with the gimbal and I'm just going through that, through all the floor plans. Like, come on, come on, come on. I got to get there, you know, and listen to what they're, what the rep was talking about stuff. And uh, I would go to edit the video and I'm right there at the end of the video, like that in the window, like, okay, I put my, I put my, I put my print on it. You know what I mean? I put my paw on it. We're good. We're good there. I'm not the best video, video hey. guy, but I can deal with one at the end of the video. Like, Hey, have a, have a good, you know, see you guys later. Well, that, if you that, do it that, intentionally, that's cool. That's cool yeah, though. But that's intentional, right? You do that intentionally rather than just by accidentally having yourself in the picture, which I guess it would be good to have vampires do this because they could take pictures of all the, the mirrors and not be in the picture. <laughs> Find me one that's a cameraman. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, they could only work at night, so you get the night the night shots. Yeah, you get good night shots. Sundown, dusk. See, we Adam, dusk. this we... is what this is my constant reminder on this podcast. I am full of ideas. They're not necessarily good ideas, but they are ideas. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything you want to ask us? So, how long have you guys been honestly doing the podcast? Hmm, two years this month, James. Is it two years now? It was two years, yeah. Because last year we missed our anniversary show. We were still waiting to do it. Now it's two. It was March, wasn't it? Wait, if it was two years, shouldn't we have a hundred shows instead of only seventy six? Well, we, you know, there were times we just woke up late, or I don't wake up migraines. Oh yeah, or I just like spaced it. We haven't been exactly once a week. Mm -mm. We haven't quite hit our goal. So what's your guys' goal? No, it was supposed to be once a week. Once a week. So there, uh, the past two years, instead of 54 weeks, I mean, 104 weeks, there have only been 76. It's a special two-year period. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you guys are, are, what, 24 closer to the 100 goal? Getting there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because don't they say for podcasts, most of the time they get in traction after, what is it, like 50, 75, something like that? Like most of the time you see these guys and they're doing podcasts and they're like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't going to take traction. This is episode number five. Like, you know Andrew, what I mean? Like you're not going to get out on, on your, your platforms on, <laughs> you know, episode five, but it's the next right. one. It's always it's, the next one. It's always the, the next one. of it, you know, and having that much in the library and people being able to go back and go search, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what people want. They want. Uh, I, I, cause I watch podcasts too. Like I, I like, I like a lot of the business podcasts mm-hmm. and I like, I like some of the sports podcasts. Oh man. Some of, some of those guys, when they start roasting, like on after Sunday football and, and <laughs> the sun's games and stuff like that, like, it's actually really cool to like, just kind of watch and, and, and listen into, you know what I mean? Our, our strategy is, is, is to trick our listeners. And, mm-hmm. the, and the trick is we're going to have such a large library. We're going to have like, you know, hundreds of podcasts and people are going to see that. Wow. These guys must be really serious. Nope. That's wrong. We're not. We just, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just persistent. We're just, we're just persistent. Yeah. It's a long we're just con. Doing... It's a long con. You're being yeah, punked. Who, yeah. Who was it? Like one of our former guests, Grace said, she goes, I started listening to your podcast and she's like a couple hours went by. Yeah. And she goes, and I realized that, you know, cause we don't have any bumper music or any like, click on it you know we don't do anything we just start talking and she goes i just felt like my life could just go on and you guys would be talking in the background the whole time and she said she was doing her housework and it was podcast after podcast after we just kept talking in the background it was so funny to hear that because 
I think that is how Bro, we trick our yeah, listeners. Well, I'm I'm such a minimalist that I didn't want it. I don't I don't like listening to 30 seconds of some intro music every time I want to listen to a podcast. I just want to hear the people talk. I don't want to hear the same song every every time. Mm-hmm. So that's how we do it. We just we just start talking and then we stop talking. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that people have autoplay on, and they don't realize when one episode ends and another one begins. <laughs> So, that's, oh, that's, that's okay. That's where that that's where that catalog starts coming into play because it's on loop. <laughs> it's, it just, it is, well, it yeah, is. I don't know if it's on loop, but it's on autoplay. Now, if it's, it's on, on loop, autoplay. they're in real trouble. They're in real trouble. Then we're gonna yeah. go through all the episodes, and then we're gonna go all the exactly. way back around again, all the way back, all the it way back. Ends. And James does all the show art, and I think it's just amazing. Well, the we AI started... does the AI. Yeah, does well, all now, the show art now, now you 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 morphed to that. He was actually. Do I, I did a one piece, didn't I? No, I did two. Yes, you did. I did two. Yeah, I did two. Yeah, I did two. Yeah, I remember the one watch Prey and in, in your cat. Right, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah, that was anyway. just. And then the the Basquiat knockoff. Oh yes, I but, forgot that was the good one. Yeah, yeah, that was the only good one. I did. But but um, but James, like we started talking about like AI a lot, and then James just started using what Mid Journey and yeah, mostly. Yeah, mostly they're amazing images. I just think I can't believe what you do with that because. I tried. I don't get. I don't get any of it. Well, you have but. to be li- willing to be led by the software. Mm. If you're just trying, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was the AI isn't really good at understanding what you're saying. But if you're willing to give it some latitude and just kind of follow it, its lead, uh, and take the cues from it, you know, you you get a lot better results. It's good at doing certain things, and you start to learn it. Uh, uh, you start to learn what it's good at doing. Oh, definitely, especially with the the amount of technology out there, mm-hmm. like. They, they definitely have stuff that, you know, you ask it for something, it will create it. It will try. It will, it will try. try. It, it might not do it to the exact thing that you have in your head, but it will definitely give a baseline. And it will create something. And it will create something. So it is learning. Well, I don't know if it's learning, but it is creating something. Oh, yeah. I, I have thoughts on that, but, you know, we don't have to... That's I'm another curious. episode. I'm curious. So you do some... Uh, responsible for some of the... Uh, Managing the artwork that shows up at the light rail stations. So I was actually part of the arts committee for the light rail from downtown to South Central. Okay. So we got to see a bunch of local artists that had come through and put in um, what they call IOPs. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, what is an IOP? An IOP is basically it's a plan. This was for the grants program, right through Valley Metro. So it was different organizations that had put in action plans, basically like, okay, we're going to start on February and it'll be ending in May. And this is the planning phase. This is which artist or which community group is going to help out. This is what the expectation is. This is where you guys can approve it. You know, it's a whole five step, six step. There was, even one that we saw that was very informative and I like the way that they broke it down, but it was actually a 12 step plan. And mm-hmm. then because they were applying for arts grants through the light rail that Valley Metro had uh, um, specifically for local artists and to put the money back into the community. So it was kind of cool to see like some of the ideas and, you know, some of the ideas work with it and some of the ideas are in left field, but they're awesome ideas, but it just, it doesn't work with the project. Like it would work with something totally different, Mm -hmm. but being part of mass transit and green energy, stuff like that, because that's what it is. Right. 
so they were wanting to do some some something else like some form of of stay in place art like a mural mm-hmm. the mural didn't have anything to do with what the project was what the what the uh, like they didn't understand the assignment you know what mm-hmm. i mean like when they posted the grants program underneath the grants program it had like everything for the program like look it needs to be a b c d e f and g uh, please, you know, whether it's performing arts, mural arts, uh, projects, um, community interaction, just stuff like that, that it, if it's any of these, it still needs to be in this order and have something to deal with the light rail, something to deal with transit, something to Got deal it. with, you know, clean energy or, you know, what the 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 parameters were. So it was kind of cool to see some of the projects that were actually available um, mm-hmm. I know that a lot of the what they call transfer houses, that's where it's a substation along the, the route that actually powers and has people in there 24 seven to monitor oh. tracks, stuff like that. Um, but a lot of those places, they get artwork all the way around the building just to showcase oh. local individuals. There was like the availability for a lot of the nonprofits to sponsor stuff like that. Um so that they could get it done also. Okay. So, so are those of, permanent installations? Some of them are. Some of them are. Um, the ones that are on those facilities, they will be. But some of the stuff that was um, discussed was where people could come out to different locations and do learn how to do screen printing t-shirts mm. so that the, you know, the kids could come out and learn how to do a new skill, take something home with them. Oh, cool. Um, take the t-shirt home with them. Um, come out and one of the awesomest projects that I see and I, I totally voted well we didn't vote we kind of you know which ones do you guys like stuff like that you know mm-hmm. but there was one that had total community involvement and it was going to be paint by number <laughs> so they were going to do this huge mural and then mark it off by the numbers bring in the community bring in the kids okay this number is this color this number is that color let's have nice. some fun. So, you know, community involvement, stuff like that was definitely at a high school. Oh, I love that. I, I like that one. That one was actually awesome because it was like, okay, and who's doing the design? Well, the kids are going to do the design. What? Yeah, they got mm-hmm. the school kids to do one of the designs. And it yeah. actually came out pretty cool. You know, it has to deal with it. It, you know. It's it's good stuff. Where is that piece? I don't know where the permanent placement will be at yet, okay. but it's what, there. There's what age were the kids? A place. Huh? What age were the kids? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. Oh, okay, that's a little bit older. Yeah. Like seventh grade. You, you can get some talent by that point. Um yeah. but you the, and, and the definitely coloring thing, in the lines at that point we hope. <laughs> yeah. At that point, you know, you when you're dealing with kids and, and, and projects like that, a lot of it comes down to the guidance they get. Mm-hmm. If you have a good art teacher, they can get the results they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing is, exactly. you know, if you understand the capabilities of the kids, and you can match that to their skills and their requirements. Otherwise, if you just go in there blind and have a bunch of kids, oh, just do a drawing of a train or something like that, you're, you know, mm. you, guidance is important. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, that's and, true. And definitely a, a plan to put that into effect. You know what I mean? Like right. When, and exactly. that was that was one of the ones that was very much detailed and you know we're putting it all all the way down so that how sounds long, just awesome how yeah long go have ahead you been involved in the uh, light rail since the beginning since oh, okay. uh, oh. the beginning of the south central extension and what's oh, wow. i'm actually the vice chair on the light rail 
Oh. Hello, sir. Um, is there <laughs> anything that really surprised you about the development of the light rail? Anything, anything unexpected that's come from from the light rail uh, being a thing? Hmm. It doesn't have to be like the number one thing or just anything you can think of that. And you can take a minute because I can. I, I cu- I'm good at cutting out silence. <laughs> the most interesting part was honestly how it's all connected together. We got. I got to take a, a tour of what they call the OL, OLMC. So basically it's Valley Metro's operations center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to actually see how they changed the tires on a train. Well, the wheels on a train, like mm-hmm. it's the facility over there is just, it's nuts. It's like stuff like you would never think of. I mean, shout out to the guys over there at Valley Metro because thinking of a two phase floor, this way you can energize and de-energize depending on what you're doing was mm-hmm. awesome. They have 24 hour um, a day just eyes on everything to make sure that it's all connecting. If there's ever an issue, somebody's out there. I didn't expect all of that. What I expected was kind of like the bus route. You know, you see the bus. If you're not at the bus stop, the bus goes right by you. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> right. what I was expecting. I didn't expect like all of this, this um, planning behind the scenes to be actually in the development phases also and how different sections throughout town actually connect they all connect into one spot. So mm-hmm. it's it was actually really cool just to see all of this come together and be able to be brought to the public and provide a whole nother way mm-hmm. of transportation throughout the city. And of course so, the public doesn't see all the, those operations. They no, just they, see a train that shows up, they get on it and then they mm-hmm. get off. And the development behind it, the business grants program for the businesses that are along the alignment for during construction mm-hmm. To help out this way you know they don't necessarily have to close doors or anything kind of like a a, a plan in place program it, it's awesome and then they have other programs there to help out like say you're on the south central alignment you've been there for a while and you want to start growing your business they'll help you grow your business too so they had website designers oh. ad designers stuff like that this way they can keep the business owners that are along the the alignment um mm-hmm. open so they actually, it, it was kind of cool to see like some of the stuff like that, that had come about from the start, from the very first rail. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a really interesting point because it's a synergy between the businesses along the light rail and the light rail. If both, if one is succeeding, the other can, can be more successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was pretty clever. And then the draw of traffic. I mean, you know, how do we bring more people to your area to see you? Right. And that's one of the their main focuses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How do we get the community out during construction? How do we get these people from other sides of town because they're coming for your services? How do we make your business still available? How do we mm-hmm. make you more prevalent online during these times? You know what I mean? So that your mm-hmm. business stays afloat, so that your 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 shop stays afloat. Because when you come south of the river bottom, you're dealing with a lot of mom and pop. Let's just be honest. That's a lot of mom and pop. That's a lot, a lot of small business. There's not many major corporations along Central, like downtown. You know what I mean? So you keep them open because those people right there, they built their family. They built into the community. They built over time. Mm -hmm. That's the way business should be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. If you guys are corporations, franchises, and everything else, and you guys are big, understand you guys put in the work. I, I get it. 
but these people have been local for years. Mm -hmm. They're built into our community and we want to see that stay within our community. That's nice. Because that is the community. That's what makes Phoenix Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why people we come here. We don't want to see we don't want to see some of the stuff go go away and the next thing you know, we have vacant buildings and right. now you have people coming in and the area is getting worse and then you know the building gets torn down and then it's a vacant lot and you know that's just not the right way at least on south central they've been they've been doing the most that they can do so i haven't been down there to see it but that sounds so interesting we should, you should get out more i should get out more <laughs> but that's that's the key thing i think is is getting people moving people around the city and using the light rail to do that you know in, introducing them to different parts and different businesses and different events and different mm-hmm. uh, opportunities I grew up in New York, but then I moved down to Washington or Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., when I was like 12 or 13. And that was just when the uh, D.C. Metro was getting off the ground and extending out into Maryland. And that was such an awesome thing as a 13-year-old to be able to jump on the Metro and go wherever I wanted to in D.C. I basically just went to the comic book store, but <laughs> still, you know, there was no comic book store near me until the Metro opened up, and then, and then there was suddenly. And when I was living in Coronado and the light rail was fairly new and I was looking for a sewing machine, this particular sewing machine. And I called everywhere. And the one place that had it was in Mesa. And my favorite light rail trip was like getting on the train, like the little light rail. And I went all the way to Mesa. It was like the end of the line. And I walked across the street. I got my sewing machine (laughs) And I sat there on the train again, just cuddling my sewing machine. And I was so happy. And I would never would have gotten there because, let's face it, driving to Mesa is not my favorite thing to do. And it was just such a delightful experience. I actually had lunch there. There was a little restaurant. I took my sewing machine, got back on the train. It was wonderful. And I never would have shopped there. So kudos. Did you see did you see the sewing machine like online and you just decided to go? No, get I was it researching or... it. I was just like, where is it? And so I'd call around to these sewing machine stores. I wanted this little singer. It was like kind of a commercial, but it was high end. So it was like within mm-hmm. my budget. It was like this very small window. <laughs> James is shaking his head. But it was like a little singer commercial machine that um, I don't know. And they made it for a small window of time. And she had two left in the shop. And I was like, hold one. I'm coming. And I just got in the light rail, and I just thought that was so much fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a sewing machine too. And my sewing machine, I bought it about twenty years ago, and then it was thirty years old. Oh. And it's probably just as good as your sewing machine. I, it's just I as have, good. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it! But you didn't have the story behind it. So Andrew, do you have a sewing machine? Um, you know what? Yes. Wow. Yes, okay. Let's. We okay. should start a sewing club <laughs> then. I guess. We could do that. Do I use it? That's <laughs> yeah. a whole nother story. But is it there? There you yeah. go. That's exactly where I'm at. I got it. I think I used it twice. I think the best thing was the trip to get it on the light rail. So, and that's that's a, actually an awesome story though. <laughs> just to go get the just to go get the sewing machine. That's kind of cool. Yeah, but I never would have connected with that business. I don't. know. It, it also I think highlights the idea that just being able to. It's not like you're walking there, but you don't not having to deal with a car. Exactly. Is so much more relaxing. You're you're basically a pedestrian, and you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about any of that stuff. And you can you can take your time. You don't have to worry about parking meters or whatever you you might have to do. You know you have to run and run out and feed the meter every half an hour. Exactly. Or the four dollars and some change per gallon gas. Either. Oh yeah, there's that too. Oh yeah, right. four. Yeah, it was four and change yesterday. I was shocked. 
it was shocked. But yeah, I read the uh, the entire autobiography of a yogi on the light rail because I had a job. I was working for a, a contract for a business which shall remain nameless, but I just would park my car at the cent like the Christown mm -hmm. location and then get on. Then it would take me kind of toward Tempe because I just didn't want to drive there every day. So I got one of those monthly passes and I read the autobiography of Yogi. That was another very wonderful memory. Well, of my I was living in New days. York uh, <laughs> between college semesters. I was working in New York city and I was living you know, with my parents north of the city and I would take the train in every day and I would basically sleep. Can't do that in a car. Well, I mean, I guess you can. It just it it doesn't it doesn't end as well. It, it would not. End no, as well. it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't end as well at all. It would end, but not well. <laughs> I love my car. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love cars, but mass transit is great too. Especially especially trains. I love trains. It is okay. So, just I have a quick question about the light rail in terms of it. Just seems like it's such a honor system. You know, I grew up in Chicago. And we always had to go through those little terminals. And then I lived up mm -hmm. in the Bay Area for a while. And when you get on the BART, you know, to go yeah. back into the, you know, into San Francisco, or whatever, you had to go through little terminals. And it really blew me away here because it's such an honor system. Like you stand, you get your little ticket or you have your monthly pass. And then people just get on the train. How did that come to be? I'm not even sure. Okay. I'm not, but, I'm not but, sure. But you I've... get what I'm saying, right? Oh, I yeah, mean... yeah. I've, I've taken the train too. I've jumped on it because I like parking rides. Uh -huh. You know, I can park in wherever I'm going back to right. train and, you know, take it throughout the city, go do what I got to do. Like you were right. saying, not be in a rush. And, you know, exactly. we go back home in the afternoon, too. So it's like, you know, but that part, I don't know where it came from, but it's it's kind of cool now how that's policed and how that's like secured or whatever you want to call it when it comes mm -hmm. to the riders or the ride share. You know, that's a question for Valley Metro that shoot you just gave me a question to ask at the next light rail meeting yeah because i just you, didn't what, know what, what is this and i will get you the answer and we'll bring it back to this okay uh, great time I'm on the no, show. Great. But it's like, how did you guys come to this honor system and where did this come from and how in the world did you guys how do you how do you guys monitor this right there's only been i think maybe of all the times and when i lived downtown I definitely rode it a lot more. I'm up north, you know, where I live, Andrew. It's like, no, it's just not, even though the metro area one is on 19th Avenue is accessible to me, it's not something I do anymore. I think only maybe less than a handful of times, like maybe three times, and always on first Friday. And they would always check the passes, hmm. kind of like when right before you get to the 7th Avenue stop, like when right. you get off, like by Roosevelt. And I never saw them kick anyone off for not having one. I mean, it was pretty chill. And that just always, I thought it was like, on one hand, it was cool. And then I'm like, but is it cost effective? Like, how is this being supported? Are people abusing the privilege of this beautiful system? And I don't know. It's like, I'm not much of a overseer, but I just was always a question I had. That's one thing I haven't seen this year yet. And I know that, you know, we we've have gotten some rain this winter, but. I haven't been seeing much of the first Fridays. Like usually you see like yeah. in the new times or in on, on some of the sites on Facebook or on Instagram, you see like, Hey, first Fridays, Roosevelt row, or, you know, and this year I haven't really seen any of that. You're it's, right. It's happening. Yeah. Cause my son's been going to them. Oh really? Yeah. He's 17 years old. He's got a bunch of friends now down at, uh, in Tempe and they all get together and go out for first Friday. And I'm, I, huh. I was like, uh, he, you know, he, he's heading out on a Friday. I'm like, where are you going, Bob? And he's like, oh, it's first Friday. He's like, oh, right. I forgot it was first Friday. Yeah. So the kids know. Right. Us old folks don't know, but the kids know. 
Yeah, because I noticed that the um, Phoenix Art Museum has stopped being a stop on First Friday. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they only do like events like several times a year. I think they had an event. Wasn't it last week or something? Was that like Art Detour? I mean, they don't do a lot of press. Was Art I mean, Detour last week? I think it might have been oh, last wow. week. I know we're so out of the loop, yeah. but not because I choose to be out of the loop. I don't think the advertising is there from ArtLink anymore. I don't think they're putting it out there. I haven't been seeing much of the advertising either. Like, no. if you guys remember, like two years ago when First Fridays would come out, mm -hmm. they would do flyers, like you would see them mm -hmm. online. You would see, you'd see all the artwork. Um, so here goes a question for you guys, not okay. to get off topic or anything. No, it's not. You guys know about Songbird, right? It's off of Roosevelt, right across from, mm -hmm. well, they, it was an art gallery. Now it's a shared office space slash art gallery, right? Okay. It has a, has a, a coffee shop in it. It's right there by 7th Street in Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, out of all of those, I guess you would call them galleries or sub galleries or mm -hmm. whatever, because they do have office spaces upstairs, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Out of all of those, what one is your guys's favorite? I'm the mm. wrong person to ask. I have never really connected with the, the art scene here in Phoenix, and it I still kind of boggles my mind to this day that I just I, I haven't been able to make that connection. I go out once in a you know, once every couple of years, basically. I, we had a gallery. We actually had yeah. a gallery two years ago. I was telling him about that. Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, it. Just I don't know. It just never clicked here in Phoenix. It, I have a hard time connecting with the the art scene here. It's it's pretty diverse. I had to say this, but even Houston had had a more connected uh, art scene. And that was not a good connected art scene. Mm -hmm. I think we have an under, uh, underdeveloped art scene here. I think we absolutely do have an underdeveloped art scene. And I do have some favorites. And one of them, um, it used to be on Roosevelt Row. And then with some of the construction, it moved. It was 515. I believe they're in Grand now, 515. Yeah. Uh, um, right there by Novel Donuts. Yeah, right, right. And then the original Mon Orchid, before, like now they're doing weddings. I mean, Mon Orchid was just an amazing space when they first opened it up. And there Where were was that one at? It's like right on Roosevelt, maybe. What is this? It was like Roosevelt and like Fifth. And then they, they made offices in there. It's a two-story building. It, did they change the name to what is that? Is that the white building with the blackbirds painted on the side of it? Maybe there's blackbird. It's been a while since I've been down there. That was the one I was talking about. That was a... a songbird you said songbird that's it has like a coffee shop and then it had a art yeah there's gallery. a coffee shop there's an art gallery it's a big space inside it looks yep. like a big yeah that probably for spaces i think is probably the best space downtown and just to finish up uh, andrew i want i want to shoot one more question to you from a realtor standpoint do you see interest in people uh buying houses near the, the light rail yes and is all that all the time Okay. Because they the light rail can be seen as, as so many things, but a lot of the people that are, are currently uh, purchasing homes and stuff around the light rail, the light rail stops, the areas that they're in, they use it more as an amenity. You know, mm. we can get from place A to B. Like I know so many people that have purchased homes throughout the light rail, like close to the light rail, just so they can use the light rail. And then all of a sudden date night turns into something totally different because we don't have to use the car. We don't have to do, we can walk right. over, take the train, jump on the train, you know, go to wherever we want to go, go eat, have a couple of drinks. You know, there's no drinking. There's no, yeah. there's no dr drunk driving on a train, right? If you right. have a couple of them, you're coming back home, somebody else is driving you. So, you know, take, take the if out of the equation. So they use it for that. There's so many of them, uh, people that have uh, children that or not, I shouldn't say children. They're, 
now young adults, but with the growth of ASU, NAU, and U of A all downtown, you know, it becomes a form of transportation to get the kids back and forth to school. Like, okay, we're going to purchase a home over here and it's close for you to go downtown, Mm -hmm. you know, because there is major campuses down there. It is like five, 10 minutes away from most of them. If Mm -hmm. not, you know, schedule your time, jump on and, Mm -hmm. and go. There's that. I mean, there's just, you have availability to so much more over there. I, I even know people that just like in the mornings, they jump on them and they go to the gym and then they take it back because you're not dealing with rush hour traffic. It takes, right. you know, everybody waits for the train, you know. Right. Traffic waits mm-hmm. for the train. Traffic, traffic waits, waits for, the, waits train. for the train. The the bigger the animals, you know, the higher in the food chain you are. And <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a pretty big one. Traffic waits for the train. How far does the light rail... Um, adjacent in terms of a commodity or or like an amenity you said for like a neighborhood or selling a house or having property values you know how far does that go out you see it all the time on the listings um, mm-hmm. closeness to light rail closeness to commute um, so closeness see- equals like less than a mile less than five miles basically walking distance you okay. know um, you'll see it sometimes if there if you have like the if you look at any of the condo complexes downtown or whatever, it says like half a mile walking distance, or they will start giving you like the distance it is to the station to where your next stop is to, mm-hmm. you know, oh, local yeah. eateries, stuff like that, local small businesses, okay. how far it is out. Mm-hmm. And then if you're taking, if you're thinking on the light rail itself, the train really doesn't go through any area that doesn't have businesses around it. Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you're not, if you're taking the train to go see something, I mean, look what's there in the area. Right. You can pretty much get to everything. You can right. see everything because you're not, you know, you're not going off track here. And you can, you can always get off. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that looks cool. I think I'll stop here for a minute. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's nice too, because then you could be like, well, I got off. I'm just going to jump back on and keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're what the trains run every 15 minutes. So yeah, yeah. they're seamless. It's It's great when you use it. I'm going to run into Zia real quick. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to jump back on the train. And... <laughs> right. Coffee break. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll have you on again. You can talk about any expansion news or if you have any additional well, stuff or whatever you want to talk about. The expansion news will not come until after this one is done because uh, they will not tell us anything about any new expansion. Oh, gosh. Until they get done with whatever they're doing, you know, there's oh, a whole So it's years. Process. So it's years. Yeah. Uh, it's it's oh. obviously a slow pro- process. But uh, Andrew, thanks for being on. And, and yeah, I will. Thanks I'll, so much. I'll do my homework. I'll see if I can find any uh, photography vampires for you. Or... So, hold on. We, we have to come up with a term for that real quick. Because uh, we don't do things, we don't do things quickly here. <laughs> we we either do them badly or slowly. Oh no, we do them both badly and slowly. Yes, okay, that's the. Oh, uh, photography vampire. There, there has to be, there has to be a term. If you guys are online right now and you guys are watching this, help us out here. Kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of give us uh, some ideas what we could call a photo vampire. I we know that they don't exist during the day, but um, <laughs> if you guys could, or if you guys know one of them, please let it. Oh yeah, we'd love to interview yeah, we, them. Send send us a photo vampire invite. 